Do you just love this podcast so much and wish you could find a way to monetarily support us? Well, guess what? Much like NPR, we thrive on support from viewers like you. So if you love this podcast and you want to become a contributor, all you have to do is go to anchor.fm. That's A-N-C-H-O-R.fm. Click the support button and choose the amount that you want to contribute each month to our podcast. This helps keep our podcast going and it keeps the phenomenal content that you have come to know and love flowing. So yeah, what are you waiting for? Sign up today. As always, thank you so much for being a listener. We appreciate you. We see you. And we hope you enjoy the show. Spoiler alert. If you do not want this film ruined, do not proceed. There's spoilers galore. You have been warned. Welcome to Talk Classic to Me, the classic film podcast and movie club, where I, Sarah Greenfield, your host and classic film enthusiast, bring in my entertaining friends to talk about classic movies or any other old-fashioned form of media that strikes my fancy. On today's show, we're talking about the film Duck Soup from 1933 with my wonderful guest, Daniel Strauss. Welcome to Talk Classic to Me. I am your host, Sarah Greenfield, and this week I have my wonderful guest, Daniel Strauss, here. Hello, Daniel. Hi, Sarah. Thanks so much for having me back. I'm so happy to have you back. You are such a good guest. And again, I'm going to probably have to edit that out because then it'll offend all my other guests and they'll be like, why didn't you say that to me? It probably wouldn't, except that now you said that part after. So now you definitely have to cut all of this. It's cut. It's all gone. (laughs) I'm going to stop talking because none of this is going to make the episode. (laughs) Um, Okay, so uh, we watched the film Duck Soup, 1933, The Marx Brothers. I chose this film for this week because even though this is not the week it's coming out, we're recording this during Passover, and we are both Jewish people, and uh, like, what better way to honor our people than to watch the Marx Brothers? I mean, am I right? Uh, there really is no, arguably no Jewish uh, foursome that has given more to their people than the Marx Brothers. It's a comedy classic. My parents sat me and my brother down as kids. They're like, look, we're going to watch this black and white movie. We know it's black and white. But here's the thing. These guys are really funny. You're going to love it. And they're Jewish. And let us tell you all about them as you watch it. Like, did you have that a similar experience with your no, family? No, I didn't. No, you did not. <laughs> no, okay. okay. No, I didn't, I didn't. I didn't have anything like that. I mean, my my uh, my I know my mom really liked the Marx Brothers, but that was not something that ever happened. I kind of came to them more on my own. I think maybe maybe even later in life, like maybe like around college. But I mean... I still remember like the first time that I saw this movie just being like, this is so funny. This is like, this has no right to be this funny now, but it is. It's still really, really funny. Yeah. I mean, there are things that do not hold up, but a lot of the jokes still do hold up. Most of them do. I mean, really, I mean, I think you can like count on one hand the number of jokes you're like, okay, that should, you know, and even fewer that you're like, that, okay, that, well, we'll get into it. We'll get into it. (laughs) Um, but a lot of them, a lot of them still really work, still really hit. There is not a lot of plot in the film Duck Soup. It's mainly the Marx Brothers just having some fun, making some jokes, being like their living cartoon selves. So basically, we've got this country, Fredonia, and they are in debt. They have wasted $20 million. And this like widower, this widower lady runs the she doesn't run the country but she like bankrolls the country and they're like lady just give us 20 million more dollars and she's like okay 
I'll give you $20 million more dollars if you hire Rufus T. Firefly to be your dictator slash leader because I think he's great. And the people are like, okay, we'll take the $20 million and Rufus T. Firefly. So Rufus T. Firefly, a.k.a. Groucho Marx, is hired as the leader of a country. And he's a goofball. And he doesn't care about anything except like starting war with Sylvania just because it's fun. Why not? So the subplot of all this is that the leader of Sylvania, which is obviously a made-up country, has hired two spies, a crack team of spies, Pinky and Chicolini, played by Harpo Marx and Chico Marx. And it's not Chico Marx, even though it looks like it would be. It's Chico. And we'll get into that later because my parents told me this as a seven-year-old child, and it is true. I couldn't believe they were right. We'll get there. So he hires these two spies who are clearly terrible at their jobs, and he wants them to get some dirt on Rufus T. Firefly so he can start a war. And um, there's a lot of back and forth with them and Rufus, with them and a lemonade stand owner. It all comes down to a showdown of um, them looking like each other in a mirror and hit Rufus T. Firefly saying, I know you're not me, and capturing one of them and putting him on trial for treason, and then they all go to war with each other. And he sings a musical number about war crimes and killing people, but it's fun. Um, and then the the movie ends because they capture Trentino, and then the, that's the Sylvanian leader, and um, they're throwing food at him because uh, he's the leader, and then the rich lady who was funding Rufus T. Firefly starts to sing, and they don't like it, so they start throwing food at her. And that's, uh, I believe that's Duck Soup. I'm pretty sure that's the plot yeah, of Duck Soup, right? you got it all. You didn't miss a beat. Thanks. That's it. You got all our nine minutes. It's a really good one. Well, what's, what's great about the Marx Brothers, so there were five of them, but one of them we will never see on screen, Gummo, Gummo Marx. Um, instead, in this film, we've got uh, Groucho, Harpo, Chico, and Zeppo. And Zeppo does almost nothing. He does nothing. I just said all their names to you. They all have crazy names. Do you know what Zeppo's name in this movie? Tell me what his name is. Can oh, you remember it? It's like Ben Johnson or something. It's I, Bob. I, it's yeah. just Bob. Well, he has a last name, too. He does. I didn't even write it down, though, because I was like, no. But his name is Bob, Bob the Secretary. Well, the first time that I saw this, I thought he was the Sylvanian leader through they like the alike. whole movie. Yeah. But he then this time I saw, I was like, he shows up at the beginning and he's like the first Marx brother on screen. And he like says somebody like, oh, yeah, the Rufus is on his way. And then he doesn't really do anything again until the like we're going to war number when all of a sudden he's up there with the other three. And you're like, why is that guy up there? He played Bob Roland. That's the name. Bob Roland, you know, yeah. the classic. I'm sure he was good at some things, but he it's remarkable. He has very little screen time and he's pretty awful every time he opens his mouth. He became a multimillionaire engineer. So he did just fine outside of the Marx Brothers. I'll tell you their origin story, so this all makes more sense. So they started out their mom. Minnie Marks, who was their manager and used a different name to be their manager. She was Minnie Palmer when she was pretending to be their manager because she was like, they can't know they're my kids. But she was kind of like a Mama Rose, um, but not like they didn't hate her. Do you know what I mean? Sure. Like she really she was the driving force behind their act, but she didn't drive them nuts. So she insisted, I think, 
this is what my parents told me when I was a child and we did that viewing. She insisted that all of her kids like learn how to play an instrument of some sort. Um, and so that's why like Harpo plays the harp and Chico plays the piano and Groucho sort of plays the guitar. Zeppo does nothing. She wanted them to be an act. Originally, they were a vaudeville act that was like they were singers. And then one night, apparently, there was like a mule that got loose somehow outside and people were yelling about it and Groucho got pissed about it and made some jokes and everyone started laughing. And then they went, "Okay, screw the music. We're going all in on comedy. It turns out we're really funny. Um, and so that was, like, the start of their comedy business on in vaudeville. They, like, acquired these characters, and all of the characters were based on immigrants that they had seen in their neighborhood because they grew up as, like, Jewish kids who were – their parents were immigrants from Germany and France, and they grew up in an immigrant community of, like, all different kinds of European immigrants – and so, like, Harpo, we can't see his red wig. It doesn't look red to us, but it was supposed to be kind of like an Irish character, and even though he doesn't speak. And then Chico's was obviously, like, an Italian character that apparently he came up with that because, like, that was how he dealt with the tough kids in his neighborhood that were Italian. He would, like, put that on to, like, fit in with the Italian kids and not get bullied, essentially. <laughs> and then um, Groucho used to do a German character. But then World War One happened and German characters like went out of fashion. Uh, so then he found his Groucho character who is this like, he's got a large grease painted on mustache, which I thought was real as a kid, but is obviously very fake now. And, you know, the bushy eyebrows and the glasses and the cigar and the stooped walk and the big like baggy tux and or suit. I would say that's like the Groucho Marx character who like Bugs Bunny is kind of based on. I just threw a lot of information at you. Do you want me to keep going with why they're named with their name as well? Sure. Groucho, apparently, no one's in agreement on why he is named what he's named. He says it's because he saw like a comic book character that had that name and took on that persona. A lot of people say it's because he was a little bit grouchy. Chico and Harpo said that it was because he used to have this thing called like, is there like a grouch bag or something like that? Where it was this wallet that you'd keep inside of your clothes so no one could steal from you because apparently he was really stingy with money and he lost all his money in the stock market crash, even though he would have been named before all of that. But yeah, it was a way of saying like he's kind of stingy because he keeps his grouch pouch, his money to himself. And then Chico was named Chico because he was a womanizer who really, quote unquote, went after the chicks. My parents told me this as a child. I need you to understand this. We're sitting down together and they say Harpo is named Harpo because he plays the harp. And Chico is named Chico because he liked to chase after the chicks. So that's that's all of that. Oh, and Zeppo was Zeppo because uh, no one agrees. But essentially it was like there was a way of making fun of Midwestern people that was like Zeke and Zeb. So he was kind of like Zeppo, Zeppo, like to make fun of Midwesterners. Or he, he was named after, like, Zeppelins. Or I forget what the third one was, but I wrote it down. It he doesn't really after, matter. It doesn't right? matter. It doesn't really matter. All we need to know about Zeppo and Gummo. And Gummo was named Gummo because he wore, like, gum shoes like detectives did. Mm. Um, and he was silent when he walked. Okay, so that's why they're named what they're named. Gummo was only in the act when they were in vaudeville. He left pretty quick. Zeppo came in when he was, like, 14 stuck with the dudes, made some movies with them, made like, I think the first five with them, and then was like, I'm clearly not very good at this, goodbye. And then both Gummo and Zeppo went off to be incredibly successful in business. Gummo was their agent, and Zeppo was an engineer, 
And that's that's it. That's all of it. That's all, folks. There you have it. In a very long nutshell. Um, so yeah, Duck Soup, the film. I feel like it's right in the sweet spot of the Marx Brothers movies. It's like that nice middle spot where they're in their prime. And I think it's like right up there with some of the best. Yes, it definitely is. Because we were making fun of him earlier for being lame. Apparently in real life, Zeppo was the funniest is the word on the street. I'm wondering if Zeppo wrote the article that I read. And then um, he, they all kind of looked alike outside of their costumes. So Zeppo would be the fill-in. He could, since he was the youngest brother, he could do all the older brother's impressions. So if one of them had to call in sick, he would like be them that night. And then in the movie Animal Crackers, there's a scene that has never made sense to me where there's like this blackout and you can tell something's different and something's weird about the film when the blackout resumes. And I guess Zeppo is playing Groucho for brief parts of it because Groucho was sick that day. And they just were like, send Zeppo in. He'll, he'll be Groucho That's hilarious. You see it in the mirror scene when they put on the Groucho makeup. It's uh-huh. like all of a sudden they all look exactly like Groucho. Like it's it's crazy because when they're wearing their, you know, they're, they're, Harpo's got the wig and, and I guess Chico <laughs> just wears a hat. But like you're like that you wouldn't think that they were. But they're like they look identical. Like yeah. it's. It's really crazy how much yeah. they look like each other. So with uh, Zeppo, I, you know, it's like I'm looking at a picture of him and I'm like, I don't know if I see it, but I guess maybe if I saw him in the makeup, that would be a different story. I wish know? they had included him in the makeup. If he's if he's as good as they say he is at imitating them, wouldn't it be funny to have four? He's obviously he, not. He clearly wrote this article. He was like, I was the funniest and the best. Look, I'm sure he was a lovely guy and I'm, I'm sure he was uh, good at something. But, I mean, for the time that he's on screen in this movie, he has the charisma of, like, a wet noodle. I mean, he, like, he doesn't, like, every time he's he's kind of, like, mush mouth, like, he doesn't really enunciate that well, and he just sort of looks uncomfortable. I don't know. Well, there's a reason he didn't continue in their films. Right, exactly. They, they got yeah. a, they got, I forget, I think it's Alan Jones or Alan somebody fills in at a night at the opera, and he's playing the quote-unquote Zeppo role, and you're like, oh, this feels a lot better. Okay, they, like, hired an actor. Okay, phew, we all breathe. I haven't seen that movie in so long, but I remember that one being, I think that is my favorite Marx Brothers movie. It's, it's like, this. it goes night at the opera, and then this one at the opera for the the cabin scene alone the where yes. the, you know i don't want to go we, and the men with the beards no, no no it's great that like we're talking about it because for me what i was realizing is all of the movies because i watched a lot of these as a kid and they blend together for me yeah, so i'll yeah. be like oh what about that one part and then i'll go wait that wasn't even in this movie that was in right. like exactly. monkey business you know, like, so I, I feel like I don't remember the movies separately unless I'm watching them. Like to me, they all yes. kind of bleed and blend Completely with all the agree. gags that they, they do. And there's maybe like one scene in any of them that you're like, oh, I know, I know that that one's in this one. You know? Yes. But I was like, I, I think the mirror one's in this one, but the mirror one might be in Night at the Opera. I don't, I could, couldn't remember. Yeah. Well, the mirror was the reason I think I chose this too, because it's so iconic. The mirror scene, yeah. you all know what we're talking about at home even if you don't realize that you know what we're talking about. So it's um, Harpo is, by the way, Harpo is silent. He does not speak. And that is his clown persona. So Groucho is this like fast talking, really like funny, witty guy. And Harpo is the opposite of like, he's a clown figure. He says nothing with his voice and it's still hilarious. They're like two ends of the comedy spectrum. Um, Like one is all physical comedy and one is like a lot of wit. Okay, so the mirror scene. Harpo 
in his attempts to escape, dressed up as Groucho, uh, acts like runs through a mirror. <laughs> okay. So the other side of the mirror is empty. Also, may I point out, there is no glass on the floor. When he breaks it, glass all over the floor. One second later, when Groucho walks over there, no glass. None. Yeah, just deal with it. Just, just deal fine. with it. It's fun. Doesn't matter. So yeah, they do this pantomime with each other of like very intricate moves, perfectly mirrored. And it's so funny to watch because one, it holds up. But two, it's also such a piece of its time because there's like no background music. It's like so, so different than how we would view a piece of comedy today. But it still holds up so incredibly. It's almost like the fact that they cut all the sound at that point is it's almost like they're just like showing off. You know, they're just like, all right, quiet for a second. Now we're going to we've been goofing off for a while. Now we're going to show you that, in fact, you know, we we're actually operating on a level you can't even you don't even understand how far, you know, how far above you we are right now. The way that they're syncing up all their movements and like when he when he ducks around and he tilts down the glasses the first time and he comes back around the corner and, and Harpo has also tilted down the glasses and they look at each other like. You just kind of watch it in awe. It's just on a whole nother level. The level of, I don't know, skill that they had to have to pull it off, too. Like, right. the level of work and crafting that that took. It's just, it's a perfect moment. And even the mistakes are perfect. Like, for the most part, well, and some of them are clearly planned. Like, when Groucho turns around and Harpo doesn't, but then still makes the pose. I think that's hilarious. But, um... I mean, there's a moment towards the end where you can see Harpo make a mistake. He uh, does something with the hat or moves in a way he wasn't supposed to. And he looks at Groucho and like makes a move and it becomes part of the act. I don't think that was supposed to be included in it. Mm. And it's so it's so special. Like the moments when they're syncing up are special because it's like an incredible feat. And then the moments when they're like adding to the joke are incredible. Like when they trade places in the mirror and keep going, like they switch sides and behave like that's a totally normal thing to do, you know, the silliness of it all. Yeah. And then the mistakes when Harpo drops the hat and Groucho picks it up for him and gives it back to him. It's just like, it's so perfect. And then when Chico comes in and there's three, Groucho's. It could only be better if Zeppo was there, maybe? Well, yeah, Question mark? So. We'll yeah, never I think, know. So. I think it's okay. He's probably asleep. But just their jumps. The jumps timed perfectly. Well, and you notice they did. No, they do. They do cut in it. Like, they did not They did not get it all in one take. There are a few moments where they cut to just Groucho going like, hmm. And, and you know. I counted four. I was like, I wonder how many there were four. I imagine that it was really, really hard. To, I mean, yeah. I wonder. I would wonder how many takes they did of it. Well, and there were segments too. You know, like it would be like for the new segment they would cut. So, like, it made a lot of sense right. why they would do it. That would be so hard to sustain. Yeah, but these guys were stage performers. You know, I mean, that's like the world that they came from. So, I mean, I don't know. I wonder if that was ever a part of the act on stage. When I watch it, it's just like I, it couldn't be more perfect for me that it's silent because it, to me, it's like it's like it's like reverence you know it's like it's it's just it's one of the most like you said it's iconic it's one of the most iconic comedy moments in history and it's like yeah cut the music for a second you're gonna watch something now that you're gonna remember for the rest of your life so i mean i don't think that was the intent but that's how that's how it reads to me the reason i'm thinking about that too is because i did this i listened to this conference last weekend because this is like what i do in my free time about the life of max steiner the composer and um he invented essentially movie like soundtracks 
um, like composing for movies. And he hadn't done that yet when this movie came out. So movies were still operating under the idea that music always had to be introduced like naturally or as a musical number. Like they didn't have underscoring really yet. So this was just a pre-Max Steiner period or they hadn't quite figured that out. So, I mean, it could have been a choice, but it also could have been like, we're just not there yet. <laughs> like, this is what we do. I don't think it was a choice. I mean, I think it's more for me. It's like with the benefit of hindsight, I just personally like it, you know, like because of what, like looking back on it now, I like that it's that it's silent. But yeah, I don't think that they were necessarily, I don't think it was necessarily a creative choice. Who knows? Well, and they, there are so many, there are so many wonderful moments in this film we had mentioned this, I don't know if we did it on this call already, but before we even like started recording, we were talking about how it's kind of like a living cartoon. Like a lot of these sketches feel that way. I think some of my favorite moments as a kid, well, for me, Groucho was always my favorite. His one-liners, me they too. got me then, they get me now. I love yeah, it. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Um, and like the brilliance behind it, how the joke will shift. Like that one really long joke he had where he delivered three jokes in a row. And then the third joke is three jokes within one joke. And I was like, the brilliance of all of this. You're changing gears so quickly. It's just so many jokes. I was like, I'm going to try to write down my favorites because then I can bring them up during the show. And I gave up like maybe 10 minutes in. So I was like, I don't, I can't, if just in the time that I'm looking away to write this down, I'm missing another one that I probably like. And I was like, screw it. I'll just have the IMDb page up and have the quotes because it's basically the whole page. Well, and I was counting on you for that because I was like, I'm not going to write down the quotes. It's too much. It's too hard. I hope Daniel comes with the quotes. Yeah, I have some quotes. Um, But then like even Chico, so like Groucho has the smart quotes, but then Chico will have like the dumb but funny quotes about like there's the one that still cracked me up where they were like tell us about when you were born he was like i don't remember it i was a baby i was just a little baby <laughs> i love it it's so good Wait, they say like when were you born he goes i don't remember i was just a little baby that's exactly it's it so that's a much funny. better way of saying it yes it's um, so funny it's so funny and he has a couple of lines like that or like even when they're antagonizing the okay we can break this down too there's a whole like subplot of this very tall bald man who sells lemonade. The lemonade vendor. Yeah. And Chico and Harpo at first antagonize him greatly. And it's so ridiculous. It's like this physical comedy festival. And at first we are on the vendor's side, but in his second scene, he's a jerk. And I'm not on his side anymore. He's antagonizing Harpo. And how also did the lemonade man get such a beautiful wife and have such a beautiful home when he sells lemonade is another question that this film brings up. Yeah, that's hard to understand how he got her. I, I thought that as a child, and I think that now. It doesn't make a ton of sense. And we'll get to the 2021 aspect of like Harpo following her into her house. That's very creepy, too. That was, that's, that was it didn't hold up. The, didn't hold up. But yeah, let's break down those physical comedy scenes that we've got with like Chico and Harpo because they're great pre-Looney Tunes moments. So Chico is selling peanuts for reasons we don't entirely understand. As a spy, you need to sell peanuts. He gets in a fight with Harpo. I don't remember why. Do you remember why they get in a little fight? That's what, that's what, and I wrote this down because I love it so much. He's, first of all, I just see the peanut stand and I start laughing. I just see it and I'm, I'm already losing it. So like... Harpo just like walks out toward the peanut stand and Chico just like grabs him. Hey, I've been looking for you. What are you doing? Like he just immediately just starts like yelling at him. Like we don't know why we don't. We, and he's like, what, what you been, what you been doing? And then like, you know, 
Harpo's like doing his honk honks and stuff. And cut it out. Don't do it with me. You know, it's like, it's just so funny to me the way he just like immediately grabs him and like, it just gets mad at him. I, there's no reason. There's no anything. It's just funny. And then they start mixing it up with the lemonade salesman. Yeah. So Chico starts kicking Harpo and then they start <laughs> kicking each other in front of the lemonade man. And then the lemonade man understandably is like, stop fighting in front of my lemonade stand. He says, I'll teach you to kick me. And Chico says, you don't have to teach me. I know how. That's the one. <laughs> That's the line. <laughs> and then Harpo with the leg. Harpo does this really funny thing where he just, first of all, Harpo always has everything he needs on him. If there's a weird thing you need in the scene, Harpo's got it in his pants. Mm-hmm. From a blowtorch to a whatever, he has it all. He's whatever. got all these different horns on him that mean different things because he doesn't speak. So he's got a horn that's like, mruh, 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 like all the horns, right? And he does this really funny gag where he just lifts his knee into someone's open hand. Just makes somebody else hold his knee. Just makes someone hold, hold his, his leg. knee. And I've, I would that's like... Funny. My knee needs a rest sometimes, and I I don't really want anyone, I guess, to touch my knee, but I also don't want to hold my own knee. Maybe I'll bring a chair with me, and I'll I'll just <laughs> put the chair next to yeah, me and have I, my that's, knee be held. That's kind of different than what he's doing, though, you know, in a way, well, when he's you think about also it. also sticking his hands in everyone's pockets all the time, too. He's such a great, like, stealthy there clown. There was one, one particular move in the second meetup with the Lemonade Bender, where it's just Harpo and the Lemonade Bender, where he takes his hat obviously and he puts it on on the fire and the peanut roasting fire which is bad for everybody by the way bad for the the poor bald man because he can't cover his bald head and he really wanted to that was an issue for him and um has cost money so first of all i didn't see him take the hat the first time i watched i was like when did i don't understand when he got the hat and i had to go back and watch it again he's so fast taking the hat and then the lemonade vendor, if you remember, his reaction to that is he just flips the entire peanut cart, knocks the whole thing over. He's like, well, there you go. The peanut vendor is taking the peanuts and Harpo is just slapping them out of his hand. Bout one happens and it's like Chico and Harpo have won bout one, right? Oh, and then when they're all trading hats, that's a great yeah. moment. And yeah. when Harpo pulls out his scissors and just starts cutting everything in sight, also a great just moment. Cut everything. So yes, bout one, Chico and Harpo win. About two, nobody wins, I would say. The peanut stand is destroyed. The lemonade business is kaput. It's all, it's a sad day all around. But about two, they have a second go round. Lemonade Man seeks them out this time. And Harpo puts out his hand to shake it. And Lemonade Man, I still don't understand what this is. Is it peanut butter? What does he put in his hand? What is it? So here's what I think it is. At the beginning of the first bout, Chico is eating a sausage and he takes whatever that stuff is and spreads it on the sausage. I think it's mustard. I think it's mustard. If he's eating a sausage, you're right. Yeah, I that think would be mustard. mustard. That would be yeah. mustard. Because I was like, do they make the peanut butter? What is it? But mustard. Okay, so he slathers Harpo's hand in mustard. And Harpo, doing what we would naturally all do, wipes his hand on that man's towel on his outfit. And the man gets upset and he's got a new hat and it's a straw hat. And the straw hat does get burned up in the peanut thing by the end of the movie. But this is what I don't understand about this scene. This lemonade man is hurting their business. He's knocking the peanuts over and stuff, right? He has a very long line at his lemonade stand. He should not be focusing on the peanuts. He should be at his lemonade stand serving the good people of the town lemonade. These poor people who live in this town. This is a dictatorship where... Groucho literally says, if you think you're bad off now, just wait till I get through with it. 
That's his like motto as dictator. If you do anything wrong, he sings in a song about how Pop Goes the Weasel, he's going to shoot you. So this is clearly a really tough place to live. I think he outlaws Gloss Gum at one point. Am I correct in this? In that song? He's like, no so. gum, no dirty words, or no, I forget. But yeah, it's a terrible place to live already. All these people want is some lemonade. And this man is not serving them and instead is causing trouble with Pinky and Ciccolini. So what would Pinky do? Harpo does what every child has ever wanted to do. He climbs on top of the lemonade stand and puts his feet in the lemonade and kicks it like a little bicycle. And I love it every time. And I also want to do it. I really want to put my feet in that concoction and bicycle them. It sounds like Harpo might be your favorite. Based on my reading, Harpo was like the nicest in real life. Like he was actually a very lovely human in real life. But Groucho's, Groucho is still my favorite. Harpo is my second favorite. You know, Harpo has so many talents as well. He plays six instruments. He plays the harp like a little angel. We don't really get the harp in this. We just get him plucking the piano strings, which is still cool. Yeah, at one point. And in A Night at the Opera, like you were saying... I'm so used to seeing the Marx Brothers, like, do all their performances, because I feel like it's showcased so much in their work. And I forgot that in Duck Soup, there are barely any, like, showcasing of their musical talents. Like, Chico's famous thing is he plays the piano and shoots the keys with his fingers. Like, he'll point to a key and shoot it like it's, like, he's got a little finger gun. Um, And we didn't get that in this movie. And Harpo didn't even play the harp, you know? No, they don't really do any of that. But going back to what you were saying a a second ago about, about the lemonade vendor, you know, he breaks he the he breaks the rule when he goes over to uh Harpo. He messes with you know, you don't it's the same as like the Looney Tunes rule, right? Like Bugs Bunny is usually just like sitting in his house reading or eating a carrot, or he digs up a hole in the wrong place and he's like, Oh, I'm sorry, my bad. You know, I should have made a left turn at Albuquerque. And then those other whoever's there messes with him. They're like, oh, stupid rabbit, we're gonna kick you around and then it's like then okay, game on, right? So it's the same thing. It's just like the vendor comes over and he like, like the first time the vendor is kind of like you were saying, he's more in the right. Like, he's like, can you stop fighting over here? But it doesn't matter because it's still really funny. But the second time he completely makes a huge mistake in coming over there and, and stealing the peanuts. And being, he's basically like, I got a new hat. I'm the king of this area now. No one's going to mess with me anymore. And it's like, could not, like, they go after him a thousand, the Harper goes after a thousand times harder. He's, he ruins his entire livelihood by the end of that scene. You can't mess with the clowns. If you mess with the clowns, I, it, it's like. If you mess with the clowns, you're going downs? That's, wow, yeah. Well, you're going down, probably. <laughs> yes, down. Probably just, going down, yeah. I wanted to rhyme it, but that doesn't, it doesn't work. Yeah. It has to be down. Probably just going down, yeah. You're just, you mess with the clowns, you're going down. I like that. Or better. you just say you mess with a clown, you're going. Just sing, singular, mess with the clown, you're going down. It's perfect. This was a little bit reminding me of Daniel and I, in order to graduate college, we had to take a course in college called Clown Class. It was physical comedy. And um, you had to create a character. And you had to, like, put on a clown show. Um, and you you had to learn the art of clowning. Um, so we both did that. Daniel, I remember seeing your show, but I don't remember what your clown was like. Were you like one of the Marx Brothers as a clown? Probably. I remember I did two. The one that I did with Jimmy was called The Lion and the Tamer. And he was a lion and I was a tamer. And I don't remember anything other than that. What about you? I don't remember. What, what, well, I don't, I don't well, think I saw you. Well, you were there. Class. You graduated. Mine, yeah. I was partners with Brian Holden. Um, okay. It was a great partnership. 
and he played a clown called Virgil. And then I played a clown that did not speak because I found at the thrift store this really cool, cool, this very special um, child onesie that had a duck on it and the duck quacked. So I I guess I didn't think Harpo was my favorite, and I still think Groucho is my favorite, but I didn't realize how heavily influenced I was by Harpo. I was a clown that didn't speak, and I would get into trouble, and Brian Holden would have to deal with me. I also loved being a clown that didn't speak because it was just nice to not have to think about talking at all. It was just really nice. Yeah, I don't think I don't think Jimmy spoke at all. I think I did all the talking, which would make me more of a of a Groucho in that situation. I mean, I'm definitely a talky clown. You know, I, I yeah, I, I rely heavily on on dialogue. But that's interesting. You remember it so well. Well, because I don't remember what our scene was about. I just remember like the character because it was so like it was so influenced by like the thing I found at the dollar store. You know, so mm-hmm. I wonder. I wonder if, like, that's how the Marx Brothers fell into their characters. Like, I found this wig. I'm not good at memorizing lines. Okay, I'm going to be silent. How about that? Yeah, and if Chico was, like, already doing that voice as a kid to, like, you know, hang with the tougher kids and, like, I mean, any character like that is an extension of yourself in one way or another. Otherwise, it doesn't ring true. You know, I mean, with all these guys, like, you, you feel a connection to them because there's an honesty to their humor that that resonates like it it feels very natural coming out of them if for example if you told me like oh yeah like harpo was actually mute like he didn't he didn't speak at all like i'd be like oh okay yeah i believe you because when he's up there on stage doing it or a film doing it you're like this just seems like this dude just seems like a silly dude this is how he acts well he apparently had a gorgeous voice by the way that was like a thing he had like a beautiful resonant voice which is the irony of the whole thing do you remember the year that that me and, and my housemates went as the Marx Brothers for Halloween? No, we... Maybe. Maybe. I, like, feel like I see a picture, but I'm like, do I remember the picture or the real life, you know? I'll send you the picture. I think I... Who who was it? Who were the four? I mean, you were Groucho, so, Well, this is, this is very funny because, well, okay, I was Groucho, uh, Shinzer was Zeppo, Okay. Seth was Harpo. <laughs> or no, I'm sorry. Seth was uh, Oh, I remember Chico. this. I Chico. do remember this. Yeah, yeah. Andy is is Harpo. And then in this particular picture is uh, Frank as Justin Timberlake, which is very funny. <laughs> he's, just, he's just, you know, he was in the picture. That's um, really funny. But, and I will send you this picture. And in this picture, actually, uh, Seth is, is holding Andy's leg. He's doing the... Uh, classic leg pose so i will um, okay i'll, I'll email this i can't to you, wait but, to see it and frank is is uh justin timberlake but if you want to just say that he's gummo you can say he's, i mean he's wearing a suit we so, don't know yeah. what gummo looks like it could <laughs> right, have been exactly. justin timberlake exactly yeah so another one of my favorite parts of the movie i don't know about you but as a kid i thought this was freaking hilarious when they have the whole big presentation for groucho and Groucho is about to, like, be their dictator. And they keep doing this song of, like, Hail Fredonia, land of the free. And it's, like, this opera, big introduction. And there's, like, rose petals everywhere. And there's trumpeters. And there's guys with swords holding, like, an archway. And Groucho, first of all, wakes up in his bed. And Groucho, in a nightcap, is just the funniest thing. They do it several times in the movie just because it's funny. But he, like doesn't show up and they do it three times and it's crickets and then he fools them all he comes down a fire pole and uh and does like the what's up doc but with the guy holding the sword of like what's going on who are we waiting for and the guy's like the leader and he's like oh and he stands and he holds up his cigar like it's a sword and um 
it's just a it's just such a good moment childhood me was like this is comedy and adult me is also like yeah this is comedy it's super funny and then the way that moment ends is mrs teasdale just like walks in and she's like oh rufus this is not weird at all hello rufus there you are that everybody just sort of accepts that these guys are complete wackos. It's, you know, it's a trope that's used in other comedies, but it's just so funny to me the way that everyone's just sort of like, yeah, it's just, I mean, she recommends him to be the dictator of the, of the country. So she likes him, because why not? He's a likable guy. They satirized high society and human hypocrisy. And I feel like, yeah, that's exactly what they were doing. Like, of course, the high society people would be like, oh, yes, this is the way it's done. We can't show that we're questioning anything. Like, we all have to fit in. Um, that's like the deeper version of it. Really, it's just like a fun, silly comedy. But yeah, they're always poking fun at hypocrisy in high society. That's like a common and That's thread. all in this. I mean, the, the whole thing with the Sylvanian guy who's like trying to like infiltrate their government and, and like, you know, get Miss Teasdale's money or whatever, trying to play all these like, you know, he's got spies on him. And meanwhile, you know, Groucho just decides to declare war with him for no reason. Basically, like he gives him multiple outs to not declare the war. Um, and like my favorite one is like at the the third time when Mrs. Teasdale comes, she's like, guess what? I talked to him. He's going to come. He said he wants to shake your hand. It's fine. And Groucho's like, oh, it's great. He's going to come shake my hand. And then proceeds to just like he does like the thing now that people do on Twitter where they'll like make up a guy and get mad at a guy who doesn't exist. Like they'll be like, Oh man, I hate guys who do like X, Y, and Z. They get me so mad. Like he does exactly that. Like he's like, but what if he doesn't shake my hand? You believe that he's going to stand there and not shake my hand when I've got my hand. Then look at me. I look like a moron. What am I talking? And then by the time the guy walks in and he's like, hello, he just slaps him in the face because he's just been getting himself so worked up over an event that hasn't taken place. Uh, so like the you know these like these like high society jerks like running around trying to play spy games on each other you just inject this guy who just doesn't care who's just who's just crazy and you tapped into like what was a little darker for me this viewing so there were lines you know well who are you going to believe me or your own eyes and i was like oh i'm pretty sure that was a whole thing last year but I was feeling a lot of vibes with like, oh, God, the dirt like this is a joke and this is funny. But like the dirty political game today and how they don't the rich people don't really care about war because they're not going to get harmed or die in war. Like the jokes off screen about like, Groucho, you're shooting your own people when we're at war. And I'm like, oh, God, if this was another movie, this would be the most depressing. <laughs> like our leaders killing us. We're all dying because you guys are making up stupid fights and slapping each other. You know, there was like the realist aspect underneath this time that I was like, oh, wow, <laughs> what a depressing place. There's something real that's being satirized there. I mean, I mean, I think you kind of said it, but, you know, the whole like, why are they at war? The fact that none of it makes any sense is, is where the satire comes from, because it's like, when does war ever make sense? If you look at like World War One, like obviously the death of uh, an archduke is higher stakes than some guy getting himself worked up and slapping somebody in the face. But like the whole like chain of events that led to like world conflict, you know, it was just one thing leading to another. And, and, and I don't know the thing that I think all the time now is just like humans are just not equipped to take care of themselves. <laughs> like they just don't have it in them to like take basic care of themselves, do the basic things that will allow them to 
like continue to survive and like this movie like it it parodies that like it's like because what because ultimately like what is it some very wealthy woman says i want this guy to be in charge of the country from now on and everyone's like well if we're gonna get the money okay he can be in charge of the country and he's just a, he's a lunatic <laughs> like he just doesn't care about anything and they just everyone just goes along with it you know yeah another bit that i love is the the old motorcycle sidecar bit oh boy it's great they have a motorcycle with a sidecar and twice the motorcycle leaves without the sidecar. The third time Crouch has learned his lesson. You can't fool a firefly twice. He gets on the motorcycle, puts Harpo in the sidecar, and you better believe that sidecar goes without the motorcycle, and it's great. I've taken three trips today, and I still haven't gone anywhere. Can I just also say, like, I it just it's so funny to me that like he literally like walk. He he's like his first thing he does in the movie, like when he sees this detail, is just immediately starts ragging her, just. Just nonstop about everything. It gives her every insult in the book, and then when he realizes she has money, quickly, yeah, don't you see? I'm trying to tell you, I love you. He says something about her husband. He's like, "Well, I, what's your husband say?" And she's like, "He's dead." And he goes, "No, I bet he's just using that as an excuse." <laughs> the other one, I think, is I see you bending over a hot stove, but I can't see the stove. She's also like not like a heavy set woman at all. Like they rag on her, they rag on her weight a bunch, but she's like not heavy. Uh, but that line is just so funny to me. I don't know. They, I guess I guess what's funny to me about it is just that that just the like complete like open insults that they're just hurling at this woman who has is nothing but lovely to them and like harbors a sweet spot for this guy and yet every like he just every chance he gets he just insults her that's margaret dumont and she is a staple in the marx brothers movies she is so great at playing this like this straight woman who's never really in on the joke she's genuine about what she's saying and she doesn't understand almost anything that they're saying she she does that just so perfectly uh, and they loved working with her. I feel like Groucho thanked her in one of his speeches because she's so she helps them to do what they do. You know, oh, like yeah. she's such a great comedic partner and she's very funny. And I think it's interesting. I read in real life when she was young, she was a great beauty and was this like she did musical theater. She married a millionaire. He died. Um, and then so it's funny now that as she's an older woman, they just constantly make fun of her when like. I don't know, 30 years before, 20 years before, she was like the young women in this film, you know, where she's their age and they're like mocking someone's beauty who's their age, essentially. And you're like, oh, I hadn't thought about that before. Oh, I don't know how much they go after her on age. Um, they don't. But I'm just saying like she is clearly like kind of old and like yeah, not yeah, the yeah. attractive one when she's probably like around the, like they're not that great to look at. No, but I mean, at least they don't. It's not like they uh, they have some other love interest in the movie who yeah. they're you know it's it's not like certain other filmmakers who will, <laughs> who will you know look like uh, not so great and cast themselves opposite these like beautiful starlets. Yeah. Who you're like, okay, I'm not, I'm not so sure. I don't know if I feel that. Yeah, but the, all that was to say that Margaret Dumont is great. And like deserves some deserves some praise because she's awesome. She pulls it off so, so well, funny. and she's great at the end too. There was like a feminist moment when they're not fighting. She's like, "Oh, fine, I'll fight." And she like picks up a gun and she's shooting the people. And I was like, "Yeah, lady, yeah, yeah." yeah. And she tries to stop the war. She tries valiantly to stop the war. 
she does everything she can, but unfortunately, Rufus makes up a guy and he gets upset. So he has <laughs> she to also did hire the dictator, so I can't get that. I, I have to remember that. Yeah. She, she did, in fact, choose the leader because she's Look, rich. the plot of this movie, you know, you don't want to get too far into the plot. It's, it's really just about that lemonade stand. And the peanut stand. It's about the mirror and some fun, uh, weird war musical numbers where xylophones are heads. I mean, that's really what it's about. That was good, too. I have to highlight one other part of this movie that just makes me absolutely die. So when you first find out that Chickalini and Pinky are working for Ambassador Trentino, when he says, I want, he says to Chickalini, I want a full detailed report of your investigation. All right, I tell you. Monday, we watch a Firefly's house, but he no come out. He wasn't home. Tuesday, we go to the ball game, but he fool us. He no show up. Wednesday, he go to the ball game, but we fool him. We no show up. Thursday, it was a doubleheader. Nobody show up. Friday, it rained all day. There was no ball game, so we stayed at home. We just do it over the radio. Like, it's just, it's so funny because you can actually see it in your head. Like, oh, he went to the ball game. Oh, well, we're not going to the ball game. Oh, he fooled. Oh, we're going to fool him. We're going to go. He's not going to go. Like, it's, it's, yeah. it's like that part just kills me i don't know it's so funny it's so silly because i was noticing even just the smallest little things were killing me like in that scene in particular when we first see chickalini and pinky and they have the um the wigs on in front of their faces with the glasses and they're supposed to be the spies and they come in and they go we fooled yay like died it's so funny and Groucho's was on, or I mean and Harpo's was on backwards they have to turn him around because right. he was just that's hilarious right. and just even the little things like to me every time Groucho dances it's just so funny <laughs> Groucho dancing the glee on his face mm-hmm. the silliness of it all oh it just gets me this is the problem with like trying to like critically dissect the Marx Brothers movie is it just it just degenerates it does be like do you remember this remember part, that part? this funny part oh do you remember that part oh that part was funny too oh it was all funny it was so funny oh my god you know? you're, you're like, right there's nothing you can't break down like cinematic angles you know or like no shot composition it's just it's just two idiots being like i thought it was funny but here's the thing it's only an hour it's an hour and like seven minutes so go watch it people there's no excuse not to it's really easy to go watch and then you can listen to this and then you'll understand what we're talking about but you are correct it's just where he's like, this is my favorite part. It reminds me of when I did Auntie yeah. Name and Jamie came and I was like, I love this movie so much. Let me tell you about every part that I love. And she was like, oh, God. It's kind of like that because it's just – it's funny and you love it. Um, I do right. have more stuff to tell you about the Marx Brothers if you want to hear a little more about their life in general, sure. if you would like to. So Groucho, outside of the Marx Brothers, is the only one that really, like, has a career beyond the Marx Brothers. Like, he becomes a game show host. My mom said as a child she was scared of him when he would host because she felt like he was kind of mean. But now she was like, oh, he was Groucho. Like, he was just being funny and, like, snarking on people. But, yeah, he did You Bet Your Life for years. He was, like, this host of this show. And he has, like, a television career after the Marx Brothers. But nobody else really does anything beyond it. And they ended up having to delay their retirement, the other brothers, because Chico – so Chico's kind of, like, the worst of the bunch – like, Groucho can be sassy. He was married a bunch. But, like, you know, I don't really know much about him. There's not a lot of horrible things. Chico was, like, a womanizer. He was unfaithful <laughs> to his wives. He had a huge gambling problem. He, if, if you could gamble to it, he would do it. I wrote down the list. It was, like, he ga- anything that you can think of that's associated with gambling, Chico gambled it. 
So he blew all of his money. So they ended up having to do like, I think one of the last films they made, they specifically made because Chico had declared bankruptcy and they needed him to have money. So like, that's sad. And then uh, in his older age, he he had to keep working. So all the other brothers were like, we can chill out. But Chico was still doing like these small hauls and stuff. And um, they ended up like taking all his money away from him and putting him on an allowance for the rest of his life so he wouldn't blow his money, which is like, oh, boy. I also found out he was a band leader for a while and Mel Torme was like a part of his band. And I didn't know that. So I thought that was interesting. So that's Chico. And then Harpo, again, it turns out he was like the sweetest and loveliest of the Marx Brothers. He was married to like one woman his whole life and they loved each other. I think Gummo was the only other one to do that. So yeah, married for life. He adopted a bunch of kids and he like really loved his kids. He dropped out of school at age eight because of bullying. Can you believe that? He was eight because this was the other like different time when you like became a newsie. He dropped out of school? Yeah, because it was like turn of the century times, you know? I mean, it wor- It did work out fine. Like he worked for the family income, essentially. It said one of his jobs was a newsie. And I was like, whoa, that gives me life. That uh, Just picturing him singing, it's a fine life. Because I imagine that that's what he was doing. Yeah, if you were a newsie back then, you sang the music from the musical Newsies. Yeah, that's how they wrote it. They wrote it because they had a guy write it down in, in a little time capsule. He was like, open this up in the 90s. In 1992, please open it. And then they did. And then we have the musical Newsies. And I think it's pretty accurate. Christian Bale. Yeah, mm-hmm. Christian Bale. I love that movie. Okay, anyway. He he joins the act with his brothers. They create an act in like 1910. Wasn't great at memorizing dialogue, so they made him silent. And this is like the interesting thing about his harp playing. So he taught himself how to play the harp. And he taught himself on a harp he had like tuned himself, but he had tuned it wrong. And he didn't find that out until three years later. So he learned how to play the harp just like totally wrong. And I guess he eventually throughout his life learned how to play it correctly, but never felt as comfortable playing it that way. So people are fascinated by his heart playing because it's like not like the proper technique. Like it's not how other people play the harp. It's just like a dude that picked up a harp and was like, I think this is how you play it. And he's so good. Isn't that incredible? Imagine just picking up a harp and being like, I'll figure it out. Right. And then becoming like world class at it. Like one of the most complex instruments there is. Just being like, eh, how hard can it be? Pick at it in a few different spots and it makes music. That's crazy. And he was part of like musical societies and stuff. And he never, he couldn't read music, but he could just like learn instruments. Like he just knew what he was doing. I think that's, I think that's so interesting because I can't do that. I think a lot of people can't do that. I mean... Yeah, I, I play guitar. I can't really read music, but like, I had lessons. You know, like, I didn't just pick it up and be like, I'm going to figure this out. Oh, and another fun story I heard in the silent film days, him and Chico would get paid to play the piano, like, for silent films. But Harpo could only play two songs on the piano. So if it wasn't Chico's day and it was Harpo's day, he would just play the two songs, but he'd play them fast or slow based on what was happening in the movie. And I think sometimes people get really pissed at him. Sorry, that's the way it goes. I only know two songs. <laughs> It bugs you, go see a different movie. So I think that's great. And then Chico really was really proficient on the piano. Like, that was legit. He really could, um, like, I, I guess he had a really wide range of songs that he could play. And he didn't really like to practice. He just liked to soak his hands in hot water. And he would play. I don't know. I read it. Anyway, so there's all that. The director of this film is Leo McCary. We've discussed him before on the podcast. If you like Leo McCary, 
he did an affair to remember going my way the awful truth please check out our an affair to remember podcast one of the reasons we did this movie too is because one of our monthly subscribers uh had requested it so it's not only because it's passover but because um it was a request from a monthly supporter good request thanks Catherine. thanks for requesting this film thank you Catherine. and if you want to become a person who can request films be a be a supporter of our podcast and then you can request a film too if that's up your alley how do i do that you go on anchor.fm and click the support button on our page it's that easy and you click the amount that you want to give to the podcast shockingly easy it's just like npr you know we thrive on support viewers like you anybody can do it well technically listeners right listeners yeah well and anybody even if you're not a listener you can do it but how would you know but not viewers you wouldn't say you wouldn't say viewers like oh yeah i say viewers like you because i watch npr but listeners like you thanks for pointing that out for me thanks wait you watch npr is it npr radio station wait and national public radio i'm thinking pbs i said npr but i meant pbs you got got your viewers and your listeners all backwards (laughs) your problem (laughs) you don't know who's listening and who's viewing You watch an NPR, listen to PBS. Oh, no, I did it wrong. Yeah, you're going to have to edit out this entire episode. <laughs> this is all gone. Nothing left. Yeah. Um, so 2021 Lens, we're putting it back on. What doesn't hold up today? I was really bummed that they had, like, a joke and a reference about, like, black people in this. I was really sad about that. I will say I didn't really understand the joke, so I guess we've come so far that it doesn't make sense. Well, it, it's a reference to an old racist song. It's a song from the 30s. It's just a horribly racist piece of music. And actually, the Yankees stopped playing. The woman there, the woman who sang it, one of the women who sang it, her name was Kate Smith, and they used to play her version of national anthem where before yankees games and they stopped like last year because she was known for singing this terrible racist song and so i looked it up and it said that there were i mean the song is like ridiculous like it's like it's one of those things where you're like it's like so racist you're like is it a joke so like people have actually speculated like oh it's satirical but there's no actual evidence that it's satirical it's just so overwhelmingly racist that you're like it this can't be real so yeah that's a bad that's a bad one. I was bummed about that. And it's like so quick too. And you're like, whoa, did he just say what I think he said? Well, they're all quick. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. And then, um, so that was a bummer. And then it was also a bummer. We mentioned in the song, they have a moment where they like are putting on like kind of a black stereotype when they're singing. And you're like, oh, please stop. Please stop yeah. what you're doing. Um, I will say watching Harpo pretend to sing is delightful for the rest <laughs> of the song when they're not doing a weird racist thing. Because it's just so silly. He's just making really fun faces at you while everyone's singing. You got to love it. I mean, the guy didn't have to learn a single line. No, it's so smart. But he had to learn to be perfect at that mirror routine. So really. true. Evens out. And then I do want to bring up Raquel Torres, who played, she played a sexy Argentinian spy kind of lady. And I was like, ooh, I hate the stereotype of like the one person of color in this film being the the quote unquote like bad guy. and. Raquel Torres, she was, like, biracial. She was Mexican. And that was not her accent. She was born in Mexico but moved to the States when she was a kid. And to, like, be the part that American audiences thought, like, anyone who – that was just not a straight-up white person had to have an accent. Her accent's great. Like, she's good at that accent. Yeah. I mean, it's nice to have someone in the movie who isn't white (laughs) or, you know, someone who represents a different – 
ethnicity. Yes. Well, and to have her be gorgeous, like she's a like a polished, gorgeous upper class person. So like that's cool because a lot of times if there are people of color in films, they play like the help. Yeah, I mean that I like that about it. But yeah. Well, and then in her career, I was reading about her. She had to be racist in her career too because like basically, if you were just not white you were like other so you would play all of the ethnicities so you have like hispanic women or latina women playing like asian roles and that's what she had to do in her early career and you're like oh my god this is like frustrating and heartbreaking yeah but you had that like five years ago that's true too there you go i mean at least i think it was starting to change now but yes i'm not saying that it's like that it doesn't matter i'm just saying it's kind of pathetic how long it took yes Um, But yeah, I did want to bring her up because she is pretty cool. And then also just in general, I know around this time they were doing um, like a lot of movie houses understood that the South American market was like a big market for them. So there were a lot, a lot of like Latinx entertainers around this time. Like that's how we have Desi Arnaz, you know, like Dolores Del Rio, um, because that was a really big market. So there was a lot more friendliness towards like... I'm not saying there wasn't racism. I'm just saying, like, in general, they were more mindful of catering to that audience because they knew that a lot of people in South America would be watching these films. Um, so there was more of a friendly relationship between Latin American countries. Um, so, yeah, they they were more aware of not being, like, maybe quite as terrible towards Latin American countries that might be a viewing audience. Because they wanted their money, sure. Because they yeah. wanted their money. That's very big of them. Yeah, very big of them. <laughs> like, really... <laughs> Harpo chasing the women is also not cool. Thank God he was nice in real life, because in the movie, he's a big old creep, hitting on women in a very aggressive way. He sees a woman about to take a bath and, like, follows her into her apartment. Like, that's, that's He runs into the apartment, and then he, like, peeks in her in the bathroom, and he's like, oh, this is great. She's about to take a bath. Hang on a minute. Let me put the feed bag on the horse. Then he comes back in, and the woman's like, What? And then there's like this weird moment where he's like advancing on her and you're like, where is this going? And then the lemonade stand guy comes back and she's like, my husband's here. You got to hide. And it's like, okay, all right, we're moving on from this. In that moment, I was like, do they have a relationship? Like, why does she care? I guess you just wouldn't want to have a man in the house. Yeah. Yeah. But I would be like, look, this guy. Well, I don't know what I would be like. Maybe you're right because she was wearing her skivvies. This was pre-code. So she's wearing some sexy clothing. I guess the thought would be that the man would not trust her. She was like, I don't know this guy. He broke into the yeah, house. Which is Lemonade sad. guy's just going to be like, no, yeah, right, exactly. But that's probably what the thought process is. And then he said he wants to take a bath. The bath wasn't even really for her. It was for her husband. She was drawing him a bath. So she was just in sexy clothes just just because. Just because they made her Why not? feel good. Why not? But I do love that he just accepts that Harpo is in his bath. He's like, I shouldn't have messed with this guy. Now this guy's going to be in my bath. He's going to be, I'm never going to be able to be rid of this guy. He's always going to be a part of my life now. He's like in the cat in the hat. You know, they have that pink circle around the bath. Like, that's hard. That's cat in the hat, too. You're right. You're correct. That's cat in the hat comes back. That's kind of the kind of the inciting incident. They do solve it, though. So I guess I'm wrong. So the way you solve Harpo is the same way. Yeah. Well, they have they have boom. A bunch of smaller cats with letters next to their names. I've read it recently. Um, We have said, I believe, you have a favorite Mark's brother. It's Groucho, you said, yes? I love Groucho. When I, like, one is him for Halloween, I mean, maybe it's just about putting on that mustache and, and eyebrows. Maybe everybody just looks like him when you do that. But I was like, damn, I kind of look like this guy. It's a little creepy. But maybe it's just putting on the makeup. Well, but, like, also, they're pretty nondescript. Like, everyone looked like Groucho in the end. Like... 
oh, you have brown hair and are, like, of his height and are, like, a white man. Like, put on the glasses and the mustache and a hat. Whoa! But it was pretty fun. I don't know. It's cool to draw that big grease mustache on your face. Well, and it's so iconic. It's a freaking emoji today. Like, Groucho Marx is a part of your everyday life, people at home. You can't get rid of him. That's a good thing, I think. I agree. I mean, the one-liners just, like, they're incredible. He just always has a joke. You watch this guy, like, it just, to me, he's the purest one because he's he's not doing an accent. He's not silent. He's just, like, he's just a dude telling jokes. And it's all about his wit. It's, like, his quickness because a lot of that is improvised. He could do that on yeah, the fly. That's crazy. But, I mean, I, to think about, but I guess he was doing it all the time. He was something like that all the time. He get really sharp, really good at it. You know, when I used to improvise every night of the week, I was pretty good at thinking of things too, you know, but now I can't think of anything and I'm tired. We also live in a pandemic and you also have children. Yeah, yeah. Well, that could be part of it. Hard to say. It could be part of it. So we're going to head into the double feature portion. Daniel and I both agree on the double feature, which is A Night at the Opera, which comes a year later and which I also know is when they switched studios. But I remember like A Night at the Opera is like, oh man, is it going to be a hit or a flop? The Marx Brothers just switched studios, and it was a hit. Mega hit. Um, so, yeah, double feature. Go check out A Night at the Opera. Some other great ones to check out. Duck Soup and A Night at the Opera are, like, the best. The creme de la creme. I feel like when I was a kid, Monkey Business, I remember being, like, my favorite one. But I haven't seen it since I was probably 10. So I don't know if it holds up, but I remembered thinking it was hilarious. So check it out based on 10-year-old Sarah's recommendation, but know that it might have some bullshit in it that I just don't understand. I, or like that it could be terrible and I could be recommending it. So I'm just putting that out there. There was a great lip syncing part. I remember that. It was also on a ship, like in A Night at the Opera. Okay. Horse Feathers. That's where they're doing the football. A Day at the Races. That's when they've got the horses. And um, Room Service. Lucille Ball's in it. I've never seen The Coconuts. That's their first movie. And Animal Crackers, I saw a couple years ago again, and I was a little disappointed. It just didn't really make sense. They don't need to. In Duck Soup, it's like the most annoying thing when they go back to the plot. The scenes where it's like Vera and the Tarantino, and they're like, okay, here's what we'll do. I'm just like, shut up. Get off the screen. Get Go back to the other people. I don't I don't care what you're going to do. It doesn't, it's not going to work, okay? I don't know how to tell you, but you're up against silly people. And the silly people, you can't do these things to those silly goofs, okay? They're just going to silly goof you and put their leg in your hand, make you eat peanuts, and you're going to lose. So just shut up and go back to those guys. We just need the funniness of the gags. We just need Harpo drawing Groucho's face on a jug instead of breaking the jug, right? It's so funny when he draws his face on the jug. Groucho does, when he gets his head cut in the jug and when Chico locks him in the bathroom, He's like, let me out, let me out. It's just funny. Like, they're not going to let you out. They just lock you in there. Let me out, let me out. The crackers to oh, me. lying in bed eating soda Lying crackers. in bed eating all those crackers. That's a modern gag. I mean, just like, a, he's just, just a dude just lying in bed with just one food that's like the same food. Like, I feel like that's that's in other movies. Like, just a dude with a weird food that you wouldn't eat. Oh, I also love... When it shifts into the war scene and we've gone from like sort of contemporary Fredonia to like, is it the Revolutionary War, but Fredonia? And they're all wearing those like Paul Revere, like they've got the revolutionary outfits. I guess it was just all for that joke. And to have them wear silly costumes, obviously. Yeah. It's like, hey, don't question it. Okay. We're wearing Paul Revere uniforms now. We're going to finally, we're going to finally satirize Paul Revere's Midnight Ride. (laughs) 
that at the time of the filming of this movie, it was only 170 years ago or so. I mean, we agree. The movie is funny. I think we agree on this. I think this is accurate. <laughs> hey, guys, guess what? It took us an hour to realize duck soup's funny. Oh, I think it took a little longer than that. Well, Daniel, thank you so much for being a guest on this show. I appreciate it so much. I love it. I'll be back for season four. Yeah, you will. See, that's how you get another spot on a podcast. All right. Thank you. I forget how I end the show. How do I? This is the first one of the new season. You say, thank you. I love you so much. You're the best. I love you so much. Thank you. Um, <laughs> and goodbye. And then you just hit off. You've been listening to Talk Classic to Me. You have been listening to Talk Classic to Me with Sarah Greenfield. That's me. My guest this week was Daniel Strauss. They will be featured on our Instagram page. If you enjoyed our show, please introduce a friend and show them how to subscribe. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Talk Classic to Me. Thanks for listening. <laughs>